Bovcast, a podcast exploring Reformed theology through the works of Herman Bovink. Hi, Bov Squad. This is Andrew from Bovcast. If you listened to us last week, you know that we aired the first part of an interview that we did a few weeks back with the Restless Podcast. Well, this week we will be airing the rest of that interview where we talked about five things that the young, restless, and reformed, or really anyone, should know at an entry level about Herman Bovink. We hope you enjoy it, and we hope you learn something. Bovcast! So tell us, then, number three. Well, we'll, uh, and we'll actually come back to a small point on this uh, later on, uh, on the systematic there. Um but for number three, this also is connected to that uh, those first two points. Um, church life is public. We always want to uh, keep in mind. Um, and some people maybe have an easier time with this than others. Um, you know, church, church life is public. It's not just private. But some do struggle with the idea of what is my place as a Christian in culture? What it, and really, that, that's one of the big Christian questions in the first place. Uh, how should I then live? Mm-hmm. Right. What um, and we, we always want to remember, as I had uh, mentioned a bit ago, our Christian life doesn't end when we are leaving the church building uh, and neither does the church cease to be the church when the service ends. Yeah. We need to contemplate how do we take the, uh, the liturgy, the whole service and the things we hear in the sermon to be equipped uh, for righteousness and good works in all places um to paraphrase uh second timothy uh 316 so it's how does the church live um andrew has a couple points on this as well yeah so like you can see this how this works out in bobbing's life for one thing you see it in the topics he writes about there's a book it's a compilation of essays called uh, essays on uh, religion science and society i believe that's the title um and he's talks in it about all kinds of different issues but among other things one we've taken up on our show before uh he did one on beauty art and aesthetics mm-hmm. and we actually uh, had uh, dr alan strange from mid-america reform seminary on and come and talk about that uh thinking about how this Calvinism is an inclusive world in life. You even affects how we think about art, uh, how we think about science. How do we engage with sciences? You know, Bob Inc. famously thought and wrote that theology was the queen of the sciences that had a seat at the table with other sciences, something that's kind of been lost in our day. Uh, Bob Inc. was very concerned in education, not just education at the seminary university level. He was very interested in those You know, for instance, with that church merger I talked about earlier, there came issues of, okay, so where are our pastors going to be trained? Would they be trained at the school in Compton where Bob Inc. had been teaching and had traditionally been the CRC school? Or would they go to Kuiper's new Free University of Amsterdam, uh, helping to work out those issues and the best way to train pastors and scholars, but then also even school more generally, an issue that he dealt with 
in his political engagement because Bob Inc. was also a politician and held elected office in the Netherlands. Like, what about funding for schools? Should Christian schools get state funding? Um, and how should that all work out? Basically engaging with these issues as a Calvinist, engaging with these things to the glory of God and living all of life, not just church life or personal life before the face of God. They, uh, a note on that with the, uh, the education too. Um, yeah, they weren't uh, necessarily, uh, these neo-Calvinists and Bob Inc. and whatnot weren't uh, simply interested in say a parochial school, right? A church run school. Mm-hmm. But uh, as Andrew was uh, noting there, free schools including for um uh, you know for public or pardon me for uh uh for primary elementary and whatnot um bob inc very much would uh devote a lot of his attention in writing after his uh dogmatics 1910s onwards to the end of his life focused on uh education on pedagogical theory uh, one thing he was really insistent on was the inadequacy of the direction of uh, the public schools uh, and the, I, this idea of like a secular education, that education, uh, something we very much still see today, is geared towards um, pretty much utilizing uh, an evolutionary uh, theory, biologically oriented evolutionary theory. How do you go and uh, basically move everyone into a uh, problem-solving, productive manner, uh, equipping them for going and working in a large-scale industry. No, he thought that education needed to be tailored very much to the individuals and bringing them out in their critical thinking concerning uh, uh, the starting place of uh, who God is and what he has done. So it, what informed, their, uh, what informed uh, the manner in which a student themselves is to think was what does God say? And then going from there. Mm-hmm. Well, Pastor Michael, what do you think? Bovink is based, right? <laughs> is that is that what we're supposed to take out of this? I think. Well, yeah. yeah, it it does get that on a T-shirt. Is. Yes, right. Bovink is based. You guys can take that idea for that's, free. That's all yours. <laughs> I might right. get it too if you make it. <laughs> that's right. With your awesome sunglasses on him. Uh huh. Um, no, we. Uh, <laughs> it's it's interesting to think about uh, the importance of of how theology plays out in every area of life. And obviously that's always been uh, pretty central to the, you know, to a reformed understanding of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a sharp, sharp divisions all over the place, but, um, but it is, it's interesting to think about that, especially again, you know, coming from a, a new Calvinist podcast, thinking about how poorly that was done. Mm. <laughs> um, mm. So uh, thinking about how poorly like uh, entering into the culture or, or using, you know, the culture in some way um, for the expansion of the kingdom um, rather than it sounds to me anyway. And I have uh, confessed already that I am, I've not read much, if at all of Bob Inc. And so I'm not very familiar with him, uh, but uh, it, it seems to me that uh, what you have here is, a much deeper meditation upon the things of God, upon the scriptures, and then that naturally playing out in how you see everything else, rather than just a a kind of cheap, quick, hey, we can just use different cultural items. We can just use different educational theories. We can just use whatever, as long as we're using it in the purpose of of this kind of uh, uh, growth of the church. Mm -hmm. 
I think I it's think funny you, you say uh, that too. Oh, sorry, we're talking over each other just like we do on our no, own show. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I think it's important too to to consider that, it, especially in our day. Like, there's a lot of difficulty and controversy about how is it that Christians, even as Reformed Christians, do we engage the world? And like, if you look at, for instance, a lot of the discussion online. Like on one side, you'll see a lot of pull towards like theonomy and these ideas of uh, of we can just chapter and verse exhaustively try to do the mosaic law. And I mean, a lot of people have been uh, have found appeal in that. And then on the on the opposite end, you can get like these extreme forms of uh, of like a two kingdoms theology where it's really not even a legitimate enterprise for Christians to think about or engage with the broader culture. That's don't worry, Westminster West. Andrew still, still loves you. We don't. <laughs> yeah. See how much trouble I get in now. But, um, Canceled. But, yeah. but, but just to say, I, I think that, that Bob Inc along with Kuiper and others from this era and in this movement kind of help us to maybe, navigate the space between and come to a more happier medium a healthier idea of engagement Mm -hmm. that yes we can there's just a certain way we need to do it and ways we Mm -hmm. need to think about it and to engage rightly that's uh yeah and that that's a fine point in there with uh if you notice um it's not a repristination uh of theology uh what's going on there uh, with the neo-Calvinists, they're uh, they're not just going back and grabbing onto uh, everything. You know, just Calvin says this, the Puritans say that, and then saying we need to be Puritans just like in the 16th, 17th century. Uh, neither are they saying that we just need to be separate and retreat from society. Th- that's those are inadequate options. Uh, this is a this is a Calvinism or a, a theology for our own day and age, uh, just as then in the 19th century for Bob Inc. Uh, and Kuiper, but so as today, what does our faith mean for us? Uh, and, and how do we actually put it in exercise? Uh, and let's not run away from the difficult questions that science puts towards us or just poo-poo it all. Uh, I just had to say that word, poo-poo. But let's actually to try to restless. give real answers. <laughs> What's that? I said, you're welcome to use that kind of language here on Restless. <laughs> we listen to Mark Driscoll clips. It's okay. <laughs> well, then. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew does a great impression. But um, I, I think, quite honestly, if, uh, if nothing else, this, this is quite, quite frankly, just for the reasons you guys are saying, this is help we need. Because um, there are, you know, we are, you know, the, whether it be the new Calvinist variety or the, or the theonomist variety, um, you know, that these have been promised. And I just think that, you know, we are, we are more rooted in, you know, the other group of people who listen to our show are the people who we lovingly call truly reformed um, <laughs> and may have a lot of um, good Southern Presbyterian tendencies. But when you talk about cultural reformation or engagement that's immediately red like flag. Red we're gonna, flag we're gonna red flag. flag you right there and <laughs> mm-hmm. be, um and i i quite i quite honestly think why do why do the why does such a fringe um belief like theonomy why is that attractive 
because everyone else says don't talk about it, <laughs> right? And if that, if those are your options, it's like, well, I I have to live in the world, don't I? Yeah. And and mm-hmm. these guys are saying I can live it all by the verses from Moses, and these guys are saying we don't talk about it, right? It only I can only look up Gary North books because no one else is writing on you know <laughs> economics <laughs> or whatever. Um, and so yeah. I think that this is um, this is that's just as you guys said, this is the kind of help we need today. So that's that's really helpful. So mm. let's do number four before we get fully sidetracked on this because we could talk about this one certainly oh, definitely. for the rest of the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, number four uh, goes back a bit to um, a moment ago we were speaking of how Bob Inc. and his, uh, his dogmatics, uh, after going through that biblical uh, exegetical portion, he starts talking about history and the views of other theologians. Well, if you notice something with that, he's not just talking, uh, he's not just quoting reformed theologians. He is uh, engaging with Lutherans, uh, with Roman Catholics, and modernists, even uh, philosophers and whatnot. Uh, so he was he was citing the the liberals and using them, evaluating their 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 arguments and seeing where they had something legitimate to say. Not to just throw them out with the uh, the baby with the bathwater, but uh, also uh, showing where they were just dead wrong in their assessment and why. Uh, with this, number four is that um, we want to engage opponents rightly, mm. even those we disagree with. We want to properly represent people's arguments. Don't just put up straw men uh, just because they're, you know, you're going to cast someone into the mold of an Armenian or a Roman Catholic, make sure you understand their arguments individually and the nuances in those positions before you go and uh, 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 attack them. Mm. You know, polemics is, uh, can be a very divisive thing. It can be a good tool, but it's, it cuts pretty hard. Yeah. You could do some serious damage. And Bob Inc. modeled this in his life. I mean, he was recognized not just among Christian academics, but even in like the secular academy. Uh, as a gentleman, he was somebody who would be fair. He would be he would be kind. He would so I mean, he would be given like posts in the I don't remember the name of it, but the basically Academy of Science there in the Netherlands because they recognized that that he did good work, even if they disagreed with him. Hmm. But I think another thing, too, though, there can be another temptation in our day. Uh, we can want to go too hard on the polemics and, and destroy our opponents. But on the flip side, we can maybe try to pretend like differences don't exist. I think hmm. we've seen this a lot recently mm-hmm. and a lot of people being like, for instance, drawn from reform theology into Anglicanism or Lutheranism or even to Roman Catholicism or Eastern Orthodoxy because well I mean they're you know doing generally the same kind of stuff or people come up with reasons to try to minimize those differences and Bobbing doesn't do that mm-hmm. I mean he definitely he's thoroughly reformed he's thoroughly confessional and he's always going to come back to that but he's fair to his opponents but he doesn't also like compromise he doesn't assimilate with them either yeah I mean, and then in their oh sorry uh go ahead yeah you engage with them in their proper ring uh in the if you're doing theological writings and whatnot um you know that that's a very suitable place to go and address uh theological errors but 
Bob Inc. and uh, Kuiper um, didn't have an issue with working together with Roman Catholics in the Netherlands uh, on social matters. Uh, you know, they're, they're, for example, of today, I mean, the majority of Roman Catholics, uh, yeah, we have very different theologies, opposing even, yet they're also some of the closest uh, allies, if you will, um, on terms regarding uh, pro-life, anti-abortion measures. We shouldn't have much issue with working on them in those capacities. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a helpful point. Um, you know, anytime that you are trying to work out the lines in between you and others, which are important, right? Like the, the, those are the two potential pitfalls, right? On the one hand, um, you don't draw any lines and all of a sudden it's just a giant postmodern mess. And obviously that's very much where we are. Mm. But in response to that, what then happens is we want to draw lines, uh, but the, you know, shall we say fundamentalist tendency is to draw lines where they should not be. Mm. And uh, when you, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just drawing lines, it's, I mean, it's cutting divisions. When you cut mm-hmm. divisions between two things that really are separate, um, there's, it's not, it's not actually uh, going to um, cause a lot of problems. Um, but when you try to, you know, cut something that is living and is, is connected, you know, is, is one, and you try to divide that down the middle, well, that's, that's going to do a, a kind of violence. It's going to uh, rip something apart, tear something apart that, that is not supposed to be torn apart. Mm-hmm. And so um, that, that's a helpful, it's just a helpful reminder, especially when we're like, we're in this weird time of, oh man, who like, you know, where, where are the boundaries, right? Where, where are the mm-hmm. boundaries? Um, who, who can we work with on what issues? Who are we brothers with? Who are we not? Like all of those are very difficult right now um, because many of those boundaries and fences have broken down in, in different ways. Um, and so that's a helpful, helpful uh, heuristic from Bobby. And that's the, uh, I mean, that's just the rub of it, right? The, uh, how do we set those boundaries up? Uh, where, you know, where, where are our guidelines? Well, we have scripture, first of all, right? Scripture is the norm that norms. It is the highest authority and it is its own self-attesting authority. But we also have, uh, we also have summaries of what scripture teaches, which we hold to in the creeds and confessions. And we very much hold them as uh, accurate fair representations. Uh, they themselves don't have their own authority. Their authority, though, is derived from scripture. And this is actually uh, for our fifth point here. Um, this is uh, the nature of uh, confessions and as well as catechism, instruction and doctrine uh, from the confessions. Andrew. Yeah. Um, so as we mentioned before, Bob Inc. was a, a child of the old Christian Reformed Church in the Netherlands. This was the, the church that split off of the state church in the offshiting of 1834. Um, he was the son of a pastor. He would have been he would have been raised. He would have been catechized on the Heidelberg Catechism. He would have been immersed in this Reformed theology. Um, and so I think it's important for the young, restless, and Reformed to recognize the need and the value for confessions and catechism, as well as the value of teaching them to your children. Mm. Uh, Bob Inc. had a solid foundation when he would uh, go off to the things he did later in life. So for instance, uh, when it came time for, for Bob Inc. to go to university, instead of going to the theological school at Compton, uh, where he would later teach, where his father taught, uh, 
the the more conservative uh, orthodox school if you will uh, he decided to go to the university of leiden uh, which is a university that has a great history like uh, in the dutch reformation and that but by that point it become very liberal very modernized uh, but he wanted to go and learn that going back to the fourth point the engaging opponents rightly he wanted to go learn the modern issues and problems directly from the source. So Hmm. from the liberal professors in Leiden, but the foundation he had in his catechism, in his upbringing, in his commitment to the church and to the truth of scripture and to the confessions and catechisms, uh, you know, he wasn't like so many who go into a situation like that. And the next thing you know, they're, they're an apostate. Mm-hmm. Uh, he held on to that foundation because he had that foundation. And then, I mean, it sustained him not only there, but all through his life, his long academic career that came after engaging with all kinds of people from all kinds of perspectives and disciplines. Mm. And this is, uh, and this point really is a, uh, you know, it's just scripture. It's scriptural principle. Uh you think of what uh, Proverbs 22, uh, train up a child in the way in which he should go uh, so that when he is old, he would not depart from it, from, from that way. Um, Deuteronomy eleven nineteen 19, uh, teach these things to your children, speaking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Uh, if we have those in the past who have uh, agreed upon these things, uh, these summaries of doctrines, let, let's, let's learn from them. Uh, as we said earlier, not going rogue, uh, not seeking to uh, carve out our own theological path, but consult the churches, consult Christians, compare these things. If you have trouble with them, compare confessions and catechisms with scripture. Usually there's uh, reference texts in there, proof texts even. Uh, Compare it, wrestle with them, really struggle and see if uh, they're accurate. Compare them. And when you, the, 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 the worst you're doing is sharpening yourself uh, for proper detailed answers. But the point is, uh, I say often that if we don't catechize and that, that is just instruct our children, if we don't catechize our children, the culture will, the world will. And we're, we're kind of past a point in this, uh, in this age where uh, cultures, where, where, where the broader society is sitting idly by. You know, they're, they're more than happy to go and uh, correct our children on, uh, you know, with their views of uh, sexuality and, uh, and marriage mm. uh, with what is right or wrong. But, you know, we're, we're right here and right now uh, kind of put in a place where we need to put up or shut up, uh, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, very much prepare our kids for when they get older and start wrestling deeply with these issues. Let them have a good foundation. But also, too, like thinking of the young, restless and reformed, you know, generally people that come to reform theology later in life, you know, before you can catechize your kids or anyone else may need to start with catechizing yourself. Pick up the Mm -hmm. confessions and creeds, learn them, memorize them, study them, uh, make that priority number one, uh, or at least priority number two after the scriptures themselves. But but learn these things. And then also, too, like it keeps you from some of the pitfalls that I think a lot of us in Young, Restless and Reformed 
dealt with. Like we were, we knew the tool, but we didn't know, like, for instance, reformed ecclesiology or, you know, doctrine of the church or other finer points of theology that, and it got a lot of us into trouble, I think in various ways. So, and, uh, so start Andrew, with yourself. <laughs> and Andrew, uh, I mean, that, that's a, that's a huge thing too. When we say tulip, uh, I'm sure maybe you guys have spoken this, uh, spoken about this on uh, your show before, but uh, you know, tulip is just a 19th century acronym for the canons of Dort. That's right. Uh, and tulip is just the titles, not actually what the doctrines themselves yeah. are, but further those five points of the canons of Dort are just an explanation and defense of Belgian confession, article 16 on election. There's a whole lot more that right. goes into it. <laughs> well, and, and even just take the canons of Dort alone. It took them to articulate what they wanted to like 150,000 words, right? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I can do it in five sentences. It seems like there might be a little bit more than uh, those, those statements. But I think if there's any one of these five that, that really shares something deep at the deep with us, with uh, Herman Bobbing, because I think we probably are a good different as we are not Dutch. We're not much here is, is, <laughs> is the need for catechizing ourselves and especially our children. Because I've often said, I think one of the things uh, our, our good reformed brethren do is they're like, um, you know, it's the, we're here to make the finest of all fine distinctions. And I'm like, dude, I, I love it. I'm interested in it, but we live in a day where it's like, Hey, what's a woman? Let's figure that out. Right. The, the, the need for like super <laughs> fine distinctions is, is gone. Like we're not in a place where they're ready for those, mm -hmm. but, but what we can do is we can catechize ourselves and catechize the next generation of the church yeah. to give them this foundation to build from yeah, just like our parents yeah. did for us. Yeah. And it, it's just to give, it gives you the base like categories in which to then understand the world, like natural and special revelation, you know, mm -hmm. like it, it just starts you mm -hmm. off. So this is sometimes I think that maybe, um, especially if you come from kind of like a, you know, Bible only evangelicalism, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit hard to kind of come to grips with the importance of having something like a confession. Um, and especially because there might be things that you read in, in one of the, you know, historic reform confessions or catechisms. And you're like, well, I don't know that I completely agree with this. Mm -hmm. And uh, the importance of it there is, uh, I think, just like learning it and the idea of, well, maybe you could come back and you could have a disagreement at some point. That's that's not out of the question. Um, but when you teach your children grammar, for instance, or the rules of grammar, the rules of spelling in mm -hmm. English, um, when when you start working through that, you're you teach them these general categories, right? Here here are the base general categories that you learn. Uh, and then what you learn later on is there's almost a million examples of each of these, you know, uh, little, uh, points, these, you know, grammatical points, that's going to be a little bit different, right? The fine distinctions, right? Uh, I before E except after C, except all of the cases in which, you know, it actually is not that way. And so, um, I'm not saying that's exactly the same, but I think that that, you know, we, we don't mind teaching the broad categories in kind of a systematic way. Mm -hmm. to kids um, in other areas. It's just in this area, sometimes I, I think there's this idea of like, oh, well, maybe it'll, it'll like, you know, taint them and how they see things, or they won't mm -hmm. be able to figure it out later if they mm -hmm. decide to disagree, or if maybe if this is a little bit wrong, what if it's not quite what the Bible says, and then it's going to be difficult to understand. I just don't think that we do that in any other way. Um, it, it's mm -hmm. probably just because we don't want to be uh, kind of tied down 
It's, well, it's the it's yeah, it's individualism. Yeah, it's the you know we're uh, the the cultural view that we're for- forcing this on children, and this is the only area of life where we don't think there are things like that we we should. And and as the what Caleb started with, this is exactly contrary to what the Bible commands mm-hmm. us to do with our children um, and those we have care of. It whether in your fear and ministry. Yeah, and this this really is what uh, brings us back also into that the same. Uh, the same first points that uh, we started with earlier. What is, uh, what does it mean not only to be a Calvinist, but to be reformed, right? This is uh, what, what, you know, this is uh, a shared, uh, a shared pronouncement or statement of beliefs of faith. And that is by nature a confession. What binds us together is the content of what we're confessing. And we have that for us uh, articulated in the three forms of unity and Westminster standards and whatnot. But this is also then uh, we consider from that second point, um, theology is for the church. It has to be pastoral in other words. So even when catechizing kids, yeah, there might be some nuances in doctrine there. Um, but at the same time, uh, nothing prohibits instruction or catechism from being uh, pastoral from, from parent to child. You know, if you, you consider these first words from the Heidelberg Catechism, it's very opening, which you may be familiar with. It asks, what is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has delivered me from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ by his Holy Spirit also assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. And that's catechesis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is one of the things I love about the Heidelberg. I mean, I'm uh, very Presbyterian. I love the Westminster <laughs> Standards. Uh, that's what I you know, catechize my children in. That's what mm-hmm. I you know, teach in our children's Sunday school. Um, but, uh, one of the things I've all, I've often thought is eventually as my, you know, uh, as my kids learn, especially the shorter, uh, Westminster shorter catechism, uh, once they are, uh, especially probably in their teen years, I want to walk with them through the Heidelberg. If for no other mm-hmm. reason, then it is far more personal. It mm-hmm. is, it's, it just, is. it's Westminster is very much a systematic theology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the Heidelberg catechism is, is so personal, uh, in, in even the response you hear there, right? I mean, it's 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 beautiful. It's great. All right, you big softy. I know. Um, <laughs> so, guys, as we uh, get ready to close out this episode, so you know, I uh, maybe maybe our listeners want to yeah start to learn a little bit from um, the professor Bovink. Is there a is there a good jumping off place uh, in reading him that you guys would kind of suggest? Yeah, I I think. Uh... Uh, For one, there is the wonderful works of God. It's his abridged one volume systematic theology. We've been walking through it on our show very slowly, um, but chapter by chapter, but that's a good starting point for Bovink. Um, Another good place to start, obviously, as we've been talking about confessions, uh, read and study the three forms of unity. Um, For looking at neo-Calvinism more broadly, more generally, We've mentioned a few times Abraham Kuyper, uh, another big thinker in this movement, his lectures on Calvinism. They're not terribly long, a couple hundred pages, and kind of give you a, 
a big overview of some of the issues that were in play and Bovink's time and others within that movement. And then, uh, Caleb, you had a couple also. Well, we could be here for a while, but uh, no, the uh, we mentioned essays on Bovink. These are kind of a little bit more intermediate, uh, so not a huge launching off point, but, you know, maybe 10 to 15 pages per essay. A hmm. uh, fascinating approach on various topics, um, science, politics, uh, the conscience and whatnot. Um, there's also um, wisdom and wonder. Uh, this is uh, uh, reflections on science and art from uh, Abraham Kuyper. Uh, just another way to kind of take a look at uh, various things in culture and see this span of how uh, Abraham Kuyper might go and apply these things, uh, apply the Christian worldview uh, in these various spheres. Also the Bible. <laughs> oh, we always take recommendations to read the Bible. I, I have been, uh, the, this means I have been a faithful Reformed Christian because I recommended my sister start with the wonderful works of God and she is mm -hmm. loving it. And so I think it's a great, uh, it is a great uh, systematic theology. And if you're listening to it and you are kind of not quite getting what you read, go find the episode of the Bobcast on that subject. So go check yeah. out those guys. I think you will find what they do on their show uh, interesting, especially if you want to go deeper in these subjects. So thanks guys for coming on the show today. No problem. We won't make it yep. clearer. We'll, we'll make it more confusing, but it'll be interesting. Bobcast. We want to once again thank the Restless Podcast, Matt and Pastor Michael, for having us on. We did record some more material with them. They have made that available for their patrons in their Patreon. So if you're interested in hearing a little more about Bob Inc. and about Kuiper and Neo-Calvinism and related issues... You can subscribe to the Restless Podcast Patreon and get the rest of that discussion that we had with them. We know things have been a little crazy lately with Caleb and I. We are hoping to get back to some more regular and even special content very soon. We appreciate your continued support. We appreciate you tuning in this week. We hope you've learned something and we hope you've enjoyed it. Of course, you can send us any feedback you have by the usual channels. And until next time, tote zines. Thank you for listening to Bobcast. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. For the latest Bobcast news and updates, visit bobcast.com or follow us on social media. Bobcast is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Subscribe to the Society of Reformed Podcasters feed for more great shows. Bobcast is edited and produced by me, Heidi Smith. Music is City of God by Rudy Manrique. We hope you'll join us again next time.